If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. So, Nat, when was the last time you had chocolate cake at 6.30 in the morning, in bed? I don't think there's ever been a time, TC. Okay. It's not the sort of thing you do on your birthday. Well, I feel like there's a gesture coming. I mean, it's not till September the 20th, but do send it through. (laughs) Okay. Because it was my birthday. Oh, Tom, I missed your birthday. Oh, it's my, my birthday God. today. I've, so I, I was born. It's not your birthday today. Yes, it's my birthday today. You are kidding me. <laughs> oh, and I was born. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Wait, stop, stop, stop. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Hey, that's good. That's really good, Pinks. But yeah, that was that was happening at 6.30 this morning. The kids brought chocolate cake in. Dude, I cannot believe I forgot slash well, didn't know it was your birthday. As my mother told me once, she said, when it's your birthday, act surprised and enjoy the attention. Oh, well, you're going to get a lot of that over the next 40 minutes or so on your 57th birthday. <laughs> well, look, should we get on with the show? Yeah, let's do that. All right, off you go. Hello and a very warm welcome to F1 Nation with me, Natalie Pinkham, and the birthday boy himself is Mr. Tom Clarkson. How are you, TC? What have you been doing in the build-up to the big day? Well, not very much. It's a lay week from Formula One, isn't it? There's no on-track action, but as ever with our great sport pinks, there's always a few things cooking along, aren't there? And I loved the video that Mercedes put out on Tuesday about the wheel being undone. It was great, wasn't it? Unbelievable that in this hugely technically advanced sport, we've got a case where, you know, these multiple world champions take until 10 a.m., 9.59 to be precise, to get the wheel off a car. I know. And that poor mechanic who'd had the drama on that front right has been living with that for 48 hours of the flight home. It must have been awful for him. So stressful, but not as bad as it was for Valtteri Bottas, who had to sit there with that sinking feeling that every second that passed, so did a place in the race. And then ultimately, he was done. Yeah. He was out. Yeah. Poor chap. He's had a lot of bad luck, hasn't he? He certainly had a lot of bad luck. Uh, Another man who's had a lot of bad luck in his career, actually, is someone I spoke to on Wednesday last week, Rubens Barrichello. I had a catch up with him. You remember him having to hand over first places to his teammate and all that kind of thing back in the day. But Rubens is in cracking form now, actually. Uh, he was Lovely in, man. Oh, and he was in Monaco last weekend supporting his boy Eduardo, who was racing in Formula Regional. And back in Sao Paulo, he was showing me round his helmet collection. And it's a hell of a collection. And of course, Senna's helmet, pride of place. It was... Uh, it's funny... Th- Guys like Rubens, even now, get emotional just talking about Senna all these years later. But to actually see a helmet that, that Senna used. Um, this helmet swap thing's a bit of a thing in Formula One now, isn't it? Because we saw it with um, George Russell and Fernando Alonso last yeah, weekend, didn't we? Yeah, that was a lovely moment, wasn't it? What did um, Fernando write on George's helmet? 
you're a future world champion. Just don't nick my place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, keep out of Alpine. A, a sad week, though, Tom. A sad week, um, I have to say. A, a shocking week for those inside the sport. Now, many of you listening won't know Thomas Bonacarea, but he was, I can't believe I'm referring to him in the past tense, one of our beloved cameramen. And he died very suddenly earlier this week. And just want to say... Thoughts and prayers very much with his family and friends. And I know many people in the paddock were incredibly close to him. I knew him not well, but every kind of interaction I ever had with him was always positive. Just had such a lovely energy, didn't he? He certainly did. And and he was working the Monaco Grand Prix weekend. In fact, Formula One put out a lovely tweet just of 30 seconds or so of some of the footage that he took during the race on Sunday as a tribute but he was, a, he was a lovely man and our condolences to his friends and family. A huge loss to the sport. Well, Tom, we've got a great show coming up, including two very special guests, the Alpine Reserve driver, Danny Kvyat, and the Alfa Romeo boss, Fred Vasseur, also celebrating his birthday today. Also celebrating his birthday. Clearly a great man for that. And uh, a former <laughs> flatmate, Pinks, of Toto Wolf. No way. Yeah, yeah, in Oxford. They, uh, they, they've they shacked up together in the past. So, And they're big mates, big mates, Fred and Toto. That's great, that's great. So I look forward to speaking to them. And I'm looking forward to Baku, because I know many would assume that given it's a street circuit, we may get a very similar race to that of Monaco, processional. But it's anything but, isn't it? Because it has this glorious long straight and more opportunities to overtake very windy so difficult for the uh, the drivers to manage their cars around there and a few risks need to be taken but not too many because the walls are close and it's just stunning around this ancient city oh it's gorgeous pinks it's one of my favorite races of the year actually and yeah you're right it's so it's going to be the polar opposite of monaco do you remember back in 2016 the first race there the uh, the support race the formula 2 race that year carnage chaos accidents everywhere you looked and so the formula one race everyone was really well behaved yeah and well i have that... to say i don't really remember it because i was actually giving birth when it was on 2016 i was actually giving birth i remember giving birth asking how the baby was and then asking the results of the race oh my that's amazing yeah <laughs> well it wasn't the excitement of the f2 race that brought on the yeah, broke my waters yeah <laughs> And then who can forget the drama since? I mean, 2017 was equally chaotic and exciting. Arguably the best race of the year. Vettel ramming into the side oh. of Hamilton deliberately after accusing him of brake checking him under the safety car. What was it like in the pen after that 2017 race? Was I giving birth that year as well? I feel like I've been giving birth a lot around this time of year. <laughs> no, I was back for 2017. I mean, yeah, crazy times. Uh, I remember Daniel winning the race for Red Bull and Hamilton having the loose headrest. I mean, all sorts of crazy things happened, yeah, it, didn't it? It was mad. And, and Lance Stroll finishing on the podium, do you remember? His yes, first season in Formula One. But being overtaken at the very last moment by Valtteri Bottas. Yeah. Otherwise, he'd have got P2. 2018 as well with the two Red Bulls ramming into each other. It just attracts drama. It attracts drama in this place. And as you said, when we when we started talking about it, it's that long, long straight. Back in 2016, Valtteri Bottas, I said this stat last week. I'm going to say it again. 378 kilometers an hour 
on a street circuit, Pinks. I mean, it's madness. So fast. And the third longest circuit on the calendar after, obviously, Spa, but oh. also Jeddah. Ah, which we haven't been to yet. That's good knowledge. That's... It's six kilometres long, so... Um, yeah, there's plenty of opportunity. Yeah, and, and in fact, the wind that you mentioned is a real factor because it was right on the edge of the Caspian Sea. There's nothing to stop those winds coming in, and, and the cars are really sensitive this year. I think all the the Williams guys, for example, are going to be very nervous about the wind. Of course, because after Bahrain, yeah, they were pretty, uh, yeah, vulnerable to it there. Yeah, so lots to look forward to, and I don't know where would you put your money. It's well, I'm going to say Red Bull because from what I've heard, they just go in as slight favourites. It's just a hunch. <laughs> <laughs> it's that um, Formula One in 2021 is that yeah. close, folks. It's all on a hunch. One thing that's occurred to me, Tom, throughout 2021 is that however much you analyse, and my goodness, don't we love to analyse, you always come away without real clarity as to who's in front. So ultimately, I have to say, go with gut feeling. And that's Red Bull for you. It'll be for me, it is. Yeah. yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how Mercedes bounce back after yes. last weekend, because it was just, as Lewis said, after the race to you, it was just a messy weekend for them, wasn't it? They just never got it going. One of the strengths of their car on a track like Barcelona is that it doesn't use its tyres that hard. And so, but on a smooth circuit like Baku, a street circuit, I think that could penalise them again. So going with hunches, I think I'm with you. I think it might be Red Bull. But then, of course, is everyone going to protest after the race because of this flexi wing drama? I don't know. I think what will be fascinating, Tom, is who takes their Monaco experience and uses it to their advantage. Will Red Bull build on that momentum, build on that great feeling. Their mojo is back. They are at the top of the championship, both the constructors and the drivers, for the first time in a very long time. Or will Mercedes show their class as they have done time and time again and bounce back with a vengeance and come out fighting? And this is a huge weekend for Sergio Perez because he's always gone really, really well in Baku. It's his track. Do you remember he's had podiums there? He almost qualified on the front row but had a penalty. So... He'll be looking at this weekend thinking, OK, I know I'm fast here and hopefully that'll give him the confidence he needs to really, you know, get the maximum out of the car. And can you imagine a Red Bull front row, lock out the front row, leave Mercedes behind you and extend that lead in the championship? I actually think that's what we need because Mercedes will come back at the more conventional racetracks. I'm sure they're going to be strong. So uh, Actually, for, for this 23 race war that we're experiencing at the minute, I think we need Red Bull to, to really open a bit of a gap now. Yeah, no, good point. Uh, by the way, talking about crazy Baku moments, do you remember when George Russell went over the um, thingy and sucked it out of the ground? Oh, the manhole cover. The manhole cover. cover. Yes, 2019. 2019. And then the recovery vehicle bashed into the bridge. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. It seems weird stuff happens in Baku. And Leclerc having that shunt at the castle section, he got the lap record in 2019, looked rapid there. So actually you can't rule out Ferrari either, can you? I don't think we can discount Ferrari Pinks. You're right. and um, But also there's radio madness as well. Do you remember Grosjean crashing behind the safety car and blaming Ericsson? And Eric, <laughs> yeah. Ericsson was nowhere near on the track. And that meme ran and ran, didn't it? We yeah. got great value out of that one. Yeah, there's something in the water in Baku. But so anyway, f folks listening at home, 
prepare for a dramatic weekend in Baku. It's, it can't not be, can it? Expect the unexpected. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Daniel Kiviet is in the waiting room. Shall we bring him in? Be rude, not two pinks. Can you hear us, Danny? Hey, how are you? Good to, good good to see you. Good morning. Oh, how are you? All good, and yourself? All good. You got to say happy birthday to Tom. It's his birthday today. Ah, Tom, happy birthday. Thanks, Danny. <laughs> and Danny, I know that you've got a guitar. Have you brought it to Paris? No, no, I, I don't bring it everywhere with me. I don't bring it to everyone, but we can sing together. Should we to sing? Him, Natalie. Please. Could you, how Please about stay. Russian? Can we do it in Russian? <laughs> Let's do it in English. He's English. Let's uh, understand. Make him understand. Any language will do. Any language will do. How do you say happy birthday in Russian? С днем рождения. С днем рождения. Oh, not bad. Not oh, bad. Good, uh, good job, Natasha. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> Danny always calls me Natasha because they don't have Natalies in Russia. Natasha. Natasha. <laughs> Danny, I thought that was an embarrassing moment where I was going to have to say, no, Dan, she's not actually cool. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a a stupid long story where I had this Russian skating partner on Dancing on Ice. Oh, yeah. And I said, um, how do you think it's going? How do you think my skating is going? We've been working together for six weeks now. And he said, Natasha. I went, oh, it's it's actually Natalie. So he was, whatever. (laughs) I was like, it's going well. I said, do you think it's going well? He goes, Natasha, lifting you? It's like lifting octopus. I was like a jumper in a washing machine. (laughs) Danny, it's great to see you. Thanks for your time. Now, Nat and I have just been talking all things Baku. Uh, Tell us about the track. What what do we got to look forward to? I always found it a very fascinating track, to be honest. Since year one in 2016, when we arrived there, we all thought, wow, this track looks... Uh, like something unique, you know, it uh, stands out, extremely long straight, very twisty middle sector and uh, very narrow corners. It's it's an extremely unique track, I think, and it's very exciting to drive on. So, yeah, it can provide also extremely good racing. So it's uh, something to be excited about for sure. I know that you would be more excited if you were driving it this weekend. Uh, I know that that's going to be frustrating for you, but how is your role going at Alpine? How busy are you? Yeah, of course, also Baku, you know, it was a track that suited me. I remember always uh, was uh, the, one of the best tracks for me, actually. Always very strong pace. But uh, yeah, of course, uh, not racing, uh, it's kind of uh, frustrating in a way, especially watching the others uh, race, especially ex-colleagues whom I've been beating in the past. But, you know, this is the sport uh, the way it is. Uh, there are 20 places and uh, uh, this year uh, my role is different and uh, honestly I'm actually enjoying it uh, because I can contribute to the team uh, in a different way also from outside of course this work is not seen so much by everyone else uh, outside but we also tested some uh, next year's tires in Barcelona a couple of weeks ago it was all very useful and interesting it was super cool to get back in the car again so so yeah you know uh, simulator work as well I do my job, you know, in the best way possible. I give my best uh, to the team and it's always interesting to contribute it, even if it's uh, in a slightly different way. 
There's so many things I want to ask you about from what you've just said. Can we start with that 2022 tyre test in Barcelona? What are they like? Can you actually just give us some intel? Are those tyres good? Are we going to have good racing next year? You know, uh, I do think tyres is like the answer to everything. And I think at this stage, the tyres are still being defined, the compounds, the structure of the tyres. So I don't think what I tested was the final you know, version of it. And it's a bit hard to, to also tell the difference because, of course, the car is uh, slightly modified to adapt for, for those wheels. And it's uh, a car I've never driven before uh, from uh, three years ago. So the feeling was positive in general. I think uh, uh, hopefully it's, I think it will be a combination you know, of new uh, rules, aerodynamic rules uh, that will come next year. Uh, there's a lot of hope on those rules because the problem now is to follow other cars now. So I think that will make the biggest difference. Then the different tires, it's hard to say exactly why they're being introduced. Maybe it's a better question to Pirelli. Maybe there is some something road cars related also because they're more realistically, they're more towards uh, road cars, no? the size of them at least. Danny, as much as I know you're thrilled to talk about Pirelli compounds, I know you'd prefer to talk about boxing. So can we just get this big fight sorted out? What is going on? with the Fury-AJ fight? Because now he's got to fight uh, Wilder again. Hang on. Why? Can I, hang on, hang on. Can I interrupt? Why are you asking Danny Kivya about that fight? There's nothing he doesn't know about I'm boxing. Not, I'm not a promoter, huh? <laughs> I'm not the promoter of the fight. Yeah, but what do you think is going to happen now? If he doesn't get past Wilder, how are we going to get the fight we all want? Well, then it's going to be an interesting fight uh, against Wilder, you know? They are all interesting fights, you know, they're the best uh, guys of their category and they're going to go head to head. So whatever fight we get, it's going to be super interesting to watch. I think uh, the first fight between Fury and Wilder was extremely close. Second one, I think Fury took the edge and now Wilder is super hungry uh, by the sound of it. So and that guy looks dangerous. I mean, you know, you can't uh, you can never write him off. So it's uh, I wouldn't mind seeing it uh, again. Welcome to Formula One's boxing <laughs> podcast. TC, have you ever have you ever seen Danny sparring? It's something to behold. No, but I have seen you. I remember, yeah. Pinks, I remember walking into the gym in China, I guess, what, five years ago? And you were beating the crap out of someone. Probably Danny. Me. You were sp- No, was it Danny? Wasn't it Danny? Was Danny? So I remember going, oh, that's a little bit frightening. Uh, are you? Five years ago. <laughs> it's about five years ago. Tell me about your love of boxing, if that's what we're talking about, Danny. What What is it about you and boxing? Well, I just like it. You know, there are some sports that make you, you know, like they take you in different space and you enjoy whenever you do it. Like I used to do a lot of running, maybe cycling, swimming, but it never really uh, gives a spark. No, but boxing does. You know, whenever I go in a boxing ring, it uh, puts me in a good dimension, you know, different dimension. And I, I really like the like the rest of the world is a little bit gone and i'm just focused there and i just enjoy it you know i like doing regular work uh, just as a training it's it's very good also for for our sport because it's a lot of endurance it's a lot of shoulder endurance uh, muscles and uh, we all need that you know plus if you enjoy it why not doing it more than i i always want to find out how far i can go in any sport i do so i always try to do more but unfortunately not unfortunately but now I reach the level where to make next steps you need to train really really hard you know like uh, it's a lot of work that sport it's much more physical than than Formula One let's say. Would you ever 
go into a, have a proper boxing fight against someone. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really want to put him up against someone else in the paddock. Ooh. So who would you like to take on? Who do you on? not like? Who do you not like, Danny? Why, why colleagues? <laughs> why colleagues uh, straight away? Maybe it's just got to be one of the other drivers. I mean, why, why not go a bit level higher? I don't know. Let's uh, let the fantasy fly. In fairness, Tom, he knows he would smash anyone else in the paddock. I mean, my money is on you every day of the week. Who, who's been talking shit about me? Who's been talking shit about me? <laughs> <laughs> I reckon Valtteri I'm would give promoter. you a run for your money. But Valtteri is like... Valtteri? No, come on. No, no, come on. Go on then. I mean, Go on then. Who? Who? Who would give you a good fight? Just give me anybody. I don't care. <laughs> Anytime. Anywhere. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. You need to go and have a look on Danny's Instagram. He is so quick and strong. You love it, don't you? You've grown up with it. What is it about Russians with boxing? Is it something that you are taught from school age? Yeah, it is. I wouldn't say a national sport, but yeah, many of, of guys, the, the schools are very advanced. Many people end up there, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, very popular in Russia. It's just I don't know something in the nation that uh, people like uh, like about this sport. You know, boxing, also MMA is growing massively in Russia. So, but MMA is a bit too much for me to be honest. <laughs> hey, Danny, did you spar with Conor McGregor? No, we didn't spar. No, I just I watched him train. I tried to see what he does. I was lucky enough to be in the same gym there, and there's always a big entourage around him. You know, it's hard. To be around, but he was nice enough to stop by, talk a bit, uh, make uh, some pictures, uh, ask some questions about F1. I asked him some questions about MMA and his next fight. And uh, yeah, he is very, very nice guy to be honest. Like uh, very open, you know, very easy to chat with. And uh, and yeah, when you see him train, you're like, I would, I wouldn't like to spar him. <laughs> no, he's unbelievable. We've hit on it, Pinks. If we're UFC type of thing, it's got to be Dan Ricardo. Yeah, I know. So me, me and him. That's the fight that the fans want to see. Not even one round with him. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this. This is good chat. But I think we ought to bring it back a little bit in the direction of Formula One, Pinks, don't you? Let's trash talk F1 instead, yeah. T tell us about the season so far, what you make of it all. I think it's interesting, you know, in every area, in front, at the back, in the middle. Obviously, it's last year of the current regulations, so everybody is very narrow the engine's performance finally seems like it's extremely close between everybody and uh, yeah so we see some close racing also at the top finally you know a very narrow championship fight it's very uh, interesting to see so hopefully it will carry on like also in 2017 i think was a very close season uh, between ferrari and mercedes now it's again against red bull and mercedes so yeah let's see how far who will move forward you know there will be a point i think in the season when somebody will start having an upper hand who's your money on hard to say i mean historically if you look at uh, uh it's mercedes you know they always find something you know in the middle of the season suddenly bam they find some updates and they start flying again plus monaco you know has always been a weak track for them but but red bull looks looks just genuinely a bit uh, like a quicker car since the first race so it's a bit different this year Many times it seems like it's genuine pace, the advantage. And do you share the popular view that Baku will suit Red Bull slightly better than Mercedes? Uh, tough to say. They're very different uh, characteristics, uh, Baku and Monaco. People think it's similar tracks. No, they're, they're not because Monaco is uh, the extremely high downforce. Baku is probably around Monza downforce. The tarmac can be very tricky. You know, the tyre 
behavior is very unpredictable there. Me myself, I remember sometimes you expect graining of the rears, but then suddenly you get the graining of the fronts. It can be very unpredictable there. So yeah, they are quite different. I cannot tell now exactly who, who, would, uh, who would be quicker. I think what you need in Baku is a really effective flexi rear wing, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know anyone that's got one? Uh, I don't know. That's the deb- I'm not. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not following so much the gossip around the paddock anymore, <laughs> like I used to. But if it's the topic, uh, it might be that there will be some heated discussions also outside the track soon, because it seems like uh, everybody's getting a bit vocal about this uh, this thing. I don't know what it is really. I actually don't even know how it works exactly, but. It seems like everybody's pretty excited about it, and uh, I think somebody might might uh, do some action outside the track. Well, let's talk Alpine and your role there. One thing I'm quite interested to know, Danny, is is the dynamic between the drivers within a team. When you've got someone like Fernando, who's obviously hugely established and experienced, uh, you know, a, a proven world champion, come back into the team come back into the sport, in fact, with Ocon, who sort of maybe struggled for form, certainly this early start of last year, but kind of came good throughout the year. And then you, who actually had a great season and uh, you've got all the experience in the world. How do you kind of discuss and share data to take the team forward whilst always pursuing your own career? Well, I mean, you know, my job is clear there. There are two main drivers who are racing in the team. And of course, uh, the team uh, uh, will mainly listen to them. Of course, my job is to do whatever opportunity comes, like doing the test a couple of weeks ago to do my best in, the, in that test and uh, provide as good feedback as I can. And it helps me to integrate inside the team also. Of course, team, they know that I'm hungry and experienced driver also. And, uh, and yeah, of course, the guys also, also Esteban has a lot of experience. Fernando has a huge amount of experience also. So, of course, the main feedback comes always from them because uh, they are driving the current car. They know very well uh, the setup tools they've got. And uh, this is uh, the, the dynamics of the team, you know, and both guys have to find what uh, sort of suits them in the car to drive it as fast as possible in quality and in the race. And uh, it's a constant process, you know, and it also depends track uh, to track. Now, you've been in this situation before, haven't you? Back in 2018, you went to Ferrari and did a lot of their sim work. Helmet then gave you a call didn't he oh yeah <laughs> what chance helmet giving you another call do you think uh, i think he already he he's dying to give me a call <laughs> but uh i think this time the pride might be in the way because already last time it was a bit like admitting the mistake no and uh yeah but uh you know I, my my eyes are wide open my ears also are open and uh to be honest i'm quite flexible i enjoy my work at alpine uh, right now, I, I'm giving my best always to the team that I'm with. And uh, right now, I'm focused on that. And uh, I enjoy the atmosphere in the team. You know, they're very interesting guys, very hardcore racing team, you know. Uh, and all the sessions I, I've attended to uh, on the race weekends and in the in the testing sessions, they, they all work like a clock, you know, very organized, very, very solid group of people. So it will be interesting. Uh, I think this team has a huge potential for the future. So right now, it's, it would be only fair to say that I, I give my best to, to, the, to Alpine in whatever role I'm in. And, and could you slot back in at a moment's notice? Uh, how quickly do drivers get a bit rusty or, you know, perhaps lose their edge 
slightly if they haven't been racing week in, week out? Uh, for me, it's almost like I race better after a holiday. So for me, it's actually good. To be honest, when I jumped in the car in Barcelona, I was thinking slightly, okay, how it will feel. But to be honest, it felt like like uh, like I never really left the cockpit. Just physically, of course, Barcelona is tough on your neck. Of course, you feel these things like it will take one or two days to adjust for that. But other than that, in terms of uh, feeling with the car, the setup, the performance and pushing the car to the limit, like it's always going to be in me. So I, I definitely wouldn't be worried about like jumping in the car anytime, you know. I'm confident free uh, practice one, free practice two, and I should already be on the on the kind of 95% of my ability. And then Saturday, let's say you push this, you squeeze this uh, extra 5%, you know, race is just a matter of just finding the rhythm. Of course, it's not like it's super easy. It's not ideal, but... This is my job, you know, always to be ready also. Well, we saw that with Hulkenberg last year, didn't we? Do, do you find yourself, Danny, looking at the COVID results, the pre-event COVID results, very carefully for each race, just in case there's another Perez situation? Or... <laughs> this is, in the end, this is my job. This is why I, I need to always be in shape. I always need to be sharp and stay hungry is in case the team might need me for that. So, of course, uh, uh, I'm ready always. And then... Uh, Friday, Saturday, you sort of, you, re, you can relax, you know, <laughs> already. So, uh, but no, I'm not like uh, thinking, oh, okay, uh, I want this to happen. No, I, I honestly, uh, you could never wish this to anyone. You just, you're just there doing your job with the team. And that's it. You, you know, you need to know your role. You need to know your, your place there, you know. Quick question from me, Danny, is Fernando Alonso, is he as good as he always was? Oh, Jesus. Uh, I mean, I've never been teammates with Fernando, first of all. I think uh, I think it's very hard to judge for me, but he's an exceptional driver, you know. Uh, his results, his curriculum talks for itself, but yeah, for sure this year it's not that easy for him and he himself admits it, you know. But it takes uh, very small things uh, to turn around. One race, two races that uh, suddenly... He will understand something, click with the car, click with the setup. Suddenly, everyone will forget his difficult start to the year. I know this is a topic that's easy to spark now, but I think he's been um, yeah through a rough patch, but uh, things can change very fast in F1. Well, look, you are a great asset to the sport. Uh, so the paddock is a better place when you're in it. So I really hope that you can get another full-time drive very soon. Thank you very much. Great stuff. Thanks, Danny. Great to Thank speak to you. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Natalie. Natasha. 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 <laughs> Natasha. <laughs> Hang on, folks. Fred Vasseur is in the waiting room now. Fred, come on in. How you doing? Hi, Natalie. It's a birthday bonanza. Fred, happy birthday. It's also Tom's birthday. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> There's been quite a build-up to this one, hasn't there, Fred? And you know that we share a birthday with Kylie Minogue. Ah, super. <laughs> <laughs> do you have similar rhythm to Kylie Minogue Fred yeah yeah I could test <laughs> uh, hey Fred so how have you been celebrating today uh, not yet not yet let's, oh. let's, let's wait for tonight what's happening tonight have you got any plans no, tonight I will have the family and I'm more than pleased to be able to share some time with the family it's not very often and uh, and then I will have tomorrow to celebrate it with the friends 
Well, you can definitely raise a glass after your Monaco performance. How pleased were you uh, with that? I'm, I'm to more finally than a get, glass. Yeah. <laughs> finally get that elusive point. Congratulations. Thank you. We are improving step by step. I was a bit frustrated with the fact that we didn't score points on the, the first races, but uh, I hope now that we will be back and uh, much more often. And Giovanazzi, Fred. He seems to have come into his own this year. He's, what, 4-1 ahead of Kimi in qualifying. It's as if something's clicked. That's at least what it looks like from the outside. Can you give us any insight? Yeah, that it's uh, quite similar. Mainly if you consider that uh, Imola was a strange quali for, for Antonio. He was locked by uh, Mazepin in the last corner, that he didn't do the lap. But at the end of the day, we are scoring points on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and and Kimi is always doing good races on Sunday, and uh, I hope that uh, he will be able to to qualify in a in a better position. Because when you have to start from 15, 15 16 with no DNF, it's very difficult to score points. That perhaps that Baku will be a different story for sure. But uh, on some tracks that where it's quite difficult to overtake or impossible to overtake when you are starting from P sixteen, that it's uh, just impossible to do it. For sure, with, with Kimi, we need to improve a little bit in quality and also to have two cars and uh, to can, we, by the way, we could play a game with the strategy and so that. Um, but okay, and I think that I'm quite happy with the job done over the last uh, couple of months that compared to last year, we did a good step forward and uh, we closed the gap with the, the midfield. To have uh, one car in Q3 was the, was the target, but it's the target on every single Saturday, not one time per season. <laughs> and uh, now no, we have to score points much more often. And uh, But I think that we, we have also to, to appreciate the job done. Do you have a clear idea where you are in terms of pace in the pecking order? It's, it's difficult because it's uh, as you said, it's uh, it's it's also a bit track related. I think that uh, with Ferrari, we did a step forward in Monaco, and it's probably also linked to the layout of the track. Uh, it would be probably a bit more difficult for us in in Baku next week, but. Uh, Let's enjoy Monaco that we will think about Baku later on. Uh, now that every single weekend now we are in the in the fight, at least on the race with uh, with Alpine and uh, and Aston Martin. And uh, this is a decent step forward if you consider that these two teams, they were fighting for podiums on the last part of last year. That uh, it's OK. I know it's not enough. Huh? I want to, to get more. And but uh, I have also to appreciate the job done and, uh, and the effort made by the team over the last months and uh, uh, in a tough situation because that we had to develop the, the car last year under the COVID uh, restrictions. And uh, now let's see Baku. That, uh, <laughs> Baku was, was a good one for Antonio. was always a good, good one for Antonio that uh, he did pole position and uh, two wins in F2. You say, Fred, that you're going to be less competitive in Baku than you were in Monaco. Oh, now. I did say that we will be less competitive but I, I said that with Ferrari, clearly we made a step forward in uh, in Monaco and Baku will be probably a bit more difficult. Yeah, Tom, don't put words in his mouth. God. Well, I'm not pessimistic. Just... Don't start like this. <laughs> Fred, there's one thing I wanted to ask you about Formula 2, if I may, because this guy, Teo Porcher, both Nats and I have one foot in the Formula 2 camp as well as Formula 1. And he, he won age 17 in Monaco last weekend for ART. How good is this guy? Is he the next big up-and-coming driver? I hope so, first. 
as he's under contract with Sober, I hope so. But honestly, it's a bit too early to take this kind of conclusion that uh, for sure he did very well the last two or three seasons. If you consider that he won the F4 two years ago, then he did the step to the F3. I was not really convinced that uh, for me, the step was quite high between F4 and F3, but he was really pushy and I said, okay, that, uh, it's your decision. Let's go for it. And in F3, he was very close to win the championship. He was leading the championships two laps before the end in, uh, in Mugello. He lost the title for two or three points. And then finishing P2, it's difficult to stay in F3. It's okay, let's go in F2, but uh, at 17, it's quite tough. And uh, from the beginning, he's very impressive. And uh, not only in Monaco, but particularly in Monaco, because I was not expecting a huge result in Monaco. It was the first time for him in Monaco, and he had to around him on the grid that guys with, uh, for some of them, with four or five times in Monaco. And uh, you know the story with the F2, you don't have so many laps in free practice, and then you have uh, 15 or 16 minutes in quali. It's probably two times to push and he did the pole position for half a second and then in the, even in the race management I think he was very clever he pushed the first couple of laps then he managed then he pushed again when it was the, the, the pit stop area then he managed at the end that he was he did a mega job now this is behind us and the most important will be the next one And uh, he has to keep the, the, the feet on the ground and, and to try to to continue like this but um, if he wins the title would you take yeah, but if if yeah if, if, if is f1 backwards isn't it but if he wins the title <laughs> would you take the risk on him if he wins in the, the title he won't do f2 again he's not allowed yeah. by the regulation <laughs> and for sure that uh, in this case the, the i think it will be the first time to have someone after three or four seasons in single seater winning the df2 as a rookie uh, you remember the, the the rookies who won the championship was charles was nicole kenberg was nico rosberg was uh, lewis before george russell i don't know if he was a rookie yeah he was that for sure it's it's a mega target but we are not there he won one race so far yeah but would you take the risk on him in formula one i love the risk You love the risk. Okay. <laughs> well, Fred, listen, have have a great birthday. Enjoy the celebrations. You thoroughly deserve them. And uh, we'll look forward to your performance in Baku. Thank you. Well done, Fred. Thank you for your time. Happy birthday, Tom. Huh? Enjoy. <laughs> ciao. <laughs> ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Well, Pinks, wasn't it great to have those two guys on the show? Yeah, lovely blokes. You know, that's what I love about podcasts as well. They give people the opportunity to open up a little bit more. It's time. When you've got two minutes chat with them on air uh, at a racetrack. So, yeah, great to see their personalities. And talking of podcast guests, I'm interviewing Richard Branson later today for my own podcast in the pink and i'm going to ask him loads of questions about his time in formula one so i'm really looking forward to that oh crikey 2009 what a year that was because the the virgin decals were on that brawn that jensen won the title with wasn't it so in fact he came to a few races that year uh, let's hope he remembers all the drama and the excitement and gosh wow good luck with that thank you and how about you when are you off to baku so i'm off to baku on tuesday charter flight thank goodness because uh, if you try and fly commercially it's very difficult and you end up going through every 
red listed country in the world. So yeah, it's a charter straight from Heathrow to Baku on Tuesday. That's interesting because the last time I went to Baku, they said to me, right, you can fly charter straight home or you can go via somewhere in the Middle East, which obviously sounds ridiculous. At the time, though, they offered me business class and it meant I could sleep for eight hours and I took it. Because I knew that children. I would come straight back to the kids and I wouldn't get sleep for a number of weeks after that. So I got on the plane, had this little glass of wine and I passed out. It was glorious. I basically flew and slept through the night and landed back in Heathrow many, many hours later, far longer than I needed to be in the air. <laughs> and feeling much fresher, yeah. <laughs> oh, I felt great. No, I'm on the Charter Pinks and uh, very much looking forward to it. It's going to be a cracking weekend. Great stuff. Well, thank you for your company, Tom. It's lovely to see you. Oh, Enjoy you, the rest Pinks. of your birthday. Yeah, more chocolate cake for me, Pinks. In fact, if you did see me in Baku, I think I'll be a lot fatter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Pinks, I think it's time to end the show, isn't it? I hate goodbyes. Only a week to wait. And we've got Damon back next week as well. So look after yourself. Get the band back together. Yeah, thank you very much. Look after yourself too. And we will see you guys very soon. Go on then, let's end it. We, we know that line now, don't we? F1 Nation is produced by F1 in association with Audio Boom. Boom. We got it right. See ya. See ya.